felt honest i've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic the word we have tried to use so many times we have tried not to use so many times but we have to use again shame on you this is sports 360 hello everybody once again good to have you join us on sports 360 podcast as always every week we try and bring you salient topics in the world of sports majorly nigerian but a lot of times we also go across the world as well Yemi Addison are here in the studio with me, but you're going to is here via Zoom or is this Skype or via one way or the other. He's here anyway, joining us for this. And um, we're going to hit the road from where we left off majorly part of what we discussed last week, where today Koiki was here and we talked about AJ's soccer punch. And we also talked about the Fury Wilder fight. And that's where we start. What a fight. What a terrific fight for the ages. Short on quality, but very high on emotion, passion, and of course, knockdowns. Five knockdowns eventually led to a knockout. All right. Um, but they would have watched it at the regular time. <laughs> we watched it in the dead of the night on Sunday morning because of time difference. So let me start with the man who had a sleepless night. Yemi. Um, it turned out to be an epic. But I don't think, um, well, I don't know a lot. I don't think a lot of boxing periods are surprised because there's always been this criticism of, uh, John T. Wilder as a one trick pony. He always depends on that booming right hand. He loads up on it. And if he cannot knock you out with it, it becomes a problem. What are your thoughts? Um, as far as trilogies go, um, I think this will probably rank amongst one of the great, one of the great mm. uh, trilogies. Um, it potentially signals the end of Jotoada's consideration amongst the top heavyweights. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was a very good fight. It it was exactly what people wanted to see. see yeah. uh, we, we've had so many fights in the past, especially in the heavyweight class, that. You know, somewhat of a buffest. But these are two guys, a lot of acrimony, don't like each other, very aggressive. And of course, the experiences from the first fight to the second fight, and some of the things that were said in the second fight, especially mm-hmm. with respect to Dr. Wilder, uh, sacking his, his coach, sacking one of his corner men, leading to cheating, and leading to cheating on Tyson Fury, his ring. Get coming into the, you know, a lot of things were said. And of course, then there's the flip side of what Fury has had to handle or go through in the last few months. Mm. Especially considering that this fight was supposed to happen in July. Yeah. And they had to move because on. He, so he had COVID. So for Fury, it was more like he had so long a time to prepare for one fight, which ordinarily tends to affect the preparation of boxers when you have to prepare for one fight for so long. But this guy, he found a way and he put up a proper spectacle. Um, at some point, I was scared for Fury. So mm. this after the second knockdown. Yeah. I was worried for him. He had a look on his face like he was really stunned. Yeah. Like, wow, I'm on the floor. But he picked himself up and... Man, that guy is awkward and is extremely fit mm. because mm. just the way he went about picking himself up and getting back into the fight. Let's look at there's a while panting by the fifth round yeah. and looking like he was on his last legs. But it was a good fight. It was good that Tyson Fury won because if he had lost, <laughs> we're probably talking about another fight. He probably changed, not even, he changes the entire the dynamics, yeah. you know, of the heavyweight class. But it was a good fight, generally. All right, buddy. We've talked about, I remember a few years ago, I'm sure you remember, on our radio show when Joseph Faulkner, one of our presenters then, and myself, analyzed the Tyson Fury, uh, Vladimir Klitschko fight. And we did say, we came up with a bold prediction that we felt uh, Tyson Fury was going to win. At that time, Klitschko appeared uh, unbeatable. And the reason was because of these things, they said his awkwardness, his ring. So I, I think for me, right now, I don't see anybody 
And please don't mention usage. I don't see anybody in that heavyweight class who has enough ring serviness, enough stamina, enough strength to beat a six foot nine heavyweight who dances around like a middleweight on the pitch and who has so much stamina. So it looks to me like, and he's just 33. In boxing terms, he's still very young. So it does look to me like the Gypsy King is going to be here for a very long time and I'm not sure anybody can push him off that perch. Unless he wants to retire right now. <laughs> and uh, let, let me digress a bit. I don't know if you saw one of the other cards, if you are a Jaguar. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Mm. Uh, it's lost. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, that fight too for me wasn't a regular time because that, that fight didn't start, or uh, that match didn't start till, uh, uh, till almost midnight here too. Okay. So it also took me to uh, uh, almost, uh, almost uh, over time. <laughs> um, I, I think that there are lessons for if you're able to learn here. Yeah. Before that fight was comparing himself to Wilder, I remember, um, at the, um, the last, when, if you're went to the Olympics, I did an article about him on my blog about yeah. how he needs to learn to box. Mm. When that, when this, uh, Fury and, uh, Wilder, um, um, about started, online people are speculating that, look, all that's I needed to do to get an advantage immediately. Or advantage was to drag Fury during the sixth round. I sorry, to drag Wilder during the sixth round. And and like uh, like let yeah, me yeah, just said now, by the fifth round, he was speaking done. Because he's a puncher, most of them don't don't go beyond the field. Once not, they, they look for the knockout. I remember the uh, the the, uh, the rumble in the jungle. Mm. I need to know that. So, uh, I, I need to know that what he had to do was take four man into deeper, deeper waters of round six uh, onwards. And so the rope adopt, he adopted the, the rope adopt, rope adopt, let a uh, former punch himself into, into stupor and then pick him off. And so for all boxers that are heavy hitters, that seems to be the Achilles heel because they keep the fight short. I don't think they pay enough attention to, to, to their conditioning. Mm. They also mentioned the condition that, um, uh, that, that, that Philly was in. Uh, um, uh, boxers who dance, who, who jab, they usually are prepared to go the distance. Yeah. And like you said, look, unless something happens to Tyson Fury, he has the tools. Have you seen his, his, his reach? Before the fight, they are talking about his length, about the, uh, about his wingspan. And that is uh, because of his set and because of the, uh, of the length of his hand, he can just repeat. And, and because he has the, uh, the, um, the conditioning, he can dance around the old and pick you up. He has that natural advantage. And so, unless that's a free decides, you know what? I'm tired of it. Because, it, 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 look, it can be a clown. Like what you saw after the fight, mm. after he had won, he could, but as unserious in court as the guy seems, he knows the stuff, the, the sport, he, he studies his opponents, he keeps it himself fit. That's why the fact that he, he looks like, sometimes he looks bloated. Mm. But that can, that's a deceptive. Very. And so, Unless the man decides that, look, you know what? I've made enough money. I'm tired of boxing. He's going to be here for a long time. Mm. Ominous for the rest of the heavyweight <laughs> division. Um, yeah, I mean, let's focus on Wilder a little bit now. He, I think at some point, Wilder got arrogant, believed so much in his own hype. And like we mentioned, you agree, it's tough to recall any notable fighter that he came up until Fury. I, I'm trying to forget, maybe he won Cuban, I've forgotten the yeah, man's Otis. Otis that he knocked out and he was behind on points actually before he knocked Otis out. What's next for him now? Because definitely when you fought one man three times and you've lost twice, the third one was a draw, you never beat him. There's a mental block there. Let's even say, okay, Fury has said he's done with Wilder, which is understandable. Yeah. You've knocked him out twice. Why do you want to do it again? But for him, Wilder, is he still a big enough draw? Hmm. Can he, is he, can he reinvent himself and add these other parts? Or is it too late for him to become more of a boxer than a slugger? What's next for Wilder? Oh, it's too late. That's like the fundamentals. Hmm. You, you can't learn that at this stage. Okay. He's also in his 30s. Yeah. You can't learn that. Those are fundamentals. And that's why I agree with what he said about the Fiyajagwa. It's a huge warrior. I saw that his, his fight as mm. well. And he couldn't let his hands go. Yeah. 
And at this and level, through combination points. Yeah, at this level, if you can't let your hands go, whoever it is you are fighting, then you are, you are, you are done. So, Wilder can't change. Mm. He's still going to be that one punch, uh, punch you know, uh, boxer. But now, he has to rebuild. And rebuilding, he needs to take on some interesting guys who are, you know, <laughs> in the pecking order to come back up. You're talking about the likes of Dylan White. You're talking about Povetkin. Uh, even AJ, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of arrangement they want to put in, put in, put in place, there's Puliev. Okay. So, me, yeah. Me, funny enough, that, that might be the biggest fight in the uh, well, apart from uh, Fury AJ, from uh, uh, a Fury fight. Mm-hmm. It's AJ and Wilder now. They yeah. to themselves. Yes. If, if. If um, uh, that's if AJ loses a second fight to Usyk, mm. the two of them have to be. You know what? Like, let's make another thing. <laughs> Lu- Lu- another oh yes, would that, be- that be like a loser's third place final? <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> because if for any reason AJ loses to Usyk in the second fight, mm. Tyson Fury has this today. The rumor is that Dylan White fights next Saturday or so. Okay, or I think at the end of the month, something mm. like that. If Dylan White fights, Dylan White is likely to be the next potential uh, WBC contender. Contender. Now, there's likely that he might not even be looking at Dylan White. Dylan White mm. is also on a rebuilding mission. Yes. So, if AJ loses that chance against using the 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 only logical fight to build the intensity, to build you know some form of uh, glamour and is AJ Wilder but, because but, and even if he wins then of course the big payday is here yeah you should now look at okay how can we put, pitch him up but then know that there's Fury which is WBC and his leaner heavyweight and then the next is to pitch him with Usyk and now unify the belts okay alright Um, having said that though let's go back to the Gypsy King and um but it is a perfect story of somebody who's come from adversity. And that's one of the beautiful stories of sports. The things he has gone through, the uh, almost committed suicide, the drug use, all kinds of situations and all of that. And it just goes to show how sports can be used to reinvent yourself and make a comeback. Up till now, he's unbeaten. And it's a very, very inspiring story, buddy. Yes, it is, DG. And you know that apart from a few boxers, um, uh, almost all of them have, have this uh, this um, tough grown-up stories. Yeah. Most of them had to learn uh, how to survive on the streets. And then that, men- so that mentality uh, kicks in w- when they are doing it, especially when they start making money. Although, of course, it's only one person can be champion. You see a lot of them, sometimes they, get, they, they, they take all this fight. Um, we, we don't get to know about them, but at least they get to live a decent life. Even though some of them, it gets into their heads, this corner, and then they end up right back where they started. But uh, for, for the, gypsy, the Gypsy King, what I like most about him is that he, he, keeps, he keeps it real every time. And whether you want to hear it or not, he tells you what he thinks is the, is the truth. And I think what, what this Wilder fight showed is that the man knows how to get up. You know, because mm-hmm. I, at, at the point I thought, he, I thought he was done. I thought he was done. And he got up, and you know, he, he, he picked himself, he picked himself up. He knew what his, what, what his game plan game plan, game plan was. He managed to get back on track, and he, and, and, and he wanted to take, to take the So I mean, for for and that, that, that is why it is sad that for a country like Nigeria, we miss this we miss this opportunity to change the lives of these young people because sometimes you go through some some tough neighborhoods. Yeah, you see all these young ladies. Trying their hands, trying their hands in boxing. Although they miss a bit, a few things with it because they, 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 because those guiding them, you know, they don't have, they do not have the tools to plot beyond two, three years. Yeah, they don't see them in the big arenas, and there are no places. There are and the government and and the local governments have not created the place where they can go and get guidance. That is what the, the advanced countries have. You see a gym uh, in, in, in some street corners. And you see sometimes pictures of champions there. 
who had come from that neighborhood yeah. and use that as, as the as the rallying point for this young thing. So yes, first can change lives. Of course, you see you see now football because that is the, the, the training pitches are everywhere. And opportunities, of course, they are a bit more easier to find. You see a lot of our young people, both boys and girls, using that uh, football path to create wealth for them and their family. So boxing, yes. And I can assure that there are hundreds of thousands of young people in Nigeria because of the current financial situation who have dropped out of school, who have a piece of boxing skill, but will fall through the, uh, um, through the cracks because there is no path because no part has been charted by those who, who should get them from point A to point B to C and D and become uh, and become world beaters. Okay, um, Yemi, who can beat this guy and how? Ah, let's hear. Or let's even say, let me let me put it this way. Jump <laughs> <laughs> question. Eh? What are what inherent weaknesses have you seen? You know, uh, and uh, oh, okay. Let, let me. Let me backtrack. Um, you see fights. Uh, AJ, next. AJ. We will hear uh, maybe early next year, maybe first, early second quarter next year, they fight again. Whoever wins that will probably be in line to fight, to unify the, the title. Either one of them who wins, do they have, does either one of them have enough because people are saying usage, yes, he's a fantastic fighter, but I don't, I think what he gives up in weight, the power that AJ did not use on him, <laughs> this man will use on him. As good a boxer as he is, do you see any of that happening? Not only the power, the ring. The ring savviness. Yeah. He knows how to navigate himself. You know, you, you said he moves like a middleweight yeah. in the ring. I don't see anybody. Right now, he's the best heavyweight in the world. Um, but a lot of people, some have even said, because some have even said it's unfair. It should move, there should be a super heavyweight. That is too big. <laughs> and that is, that is in the amateur class. It's <laughs> super heavyweight. Given that a lot of people also don't know much about Sushi, and, and that's what this fight against Anthony Joshua also showed, that a lot of people didn't know much about that guy, because a lot of people felt, why would they, they lose to him? And I, I think, Especially on this this side of the world, you know, Nigerians have a way of brushing yeah. or writing people off easily. Once they don't know much about it, and I'm like, music is a dangerous customer. But the advantage that Fury has over him is the same advantage Fury has over every other person. Yeah. His size, his ring artistry, the fact that he will overwhelm you, and the fact that you really, his only weakness is sometimes. He lets himself go too much mm. at times and leaves himself open. So if he's fighting against some, because yeah, in that fight against Wilder, the, those two knockdowns yeah. were very dangerous. Mm. And he mm. was hit a few times where he seemed like, wow, this guy is going to go down. Remember the very first fight? Oh yeah. That he, 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 you know, some people have called him the undertaker yeah. of boxing because of the undertaker. Yeah, the way he got up. Be undertaker, but the way he got up, um, in that fight. So, buddy. Um, at the end of the day, we are looking at the heavyweight division that appears is going to be very, very well dominated by one man. But stranger things have happened. Yeah. We've seen instances where we thought Buster this man Douglas. is there to stay. And is there a chance that Fury gets complacent or somebody comes up with some style, some tactic? That will beat him. Is there a chance? Yes, yeah, so, there's always a chance, DG. Um, uh, I, I don't think there's, there's never been anybody that, that has been a champion for, for, for a long time. For every Mohamed Ali, for every uh, Mike Tyson, for every George Foreman, there's always that boxer that will show up out of nowhere mm. and upon the apple cart. I, I, I remember when, when, when Tyson fell in Tokyo, we felt, we felt that. that 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 uh, that thought the, 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 the world around us nobody saw it coming. Buster Douglas. The, of the case is that you know, yeah, Buster Douglas. The, the, the fact of, of, of the case is that look, when you are a champion and, and when you have won a few bouts, the odds are that you feel you are invincible. <clears throat> Some things will slip. You you you, start, you you want to enjoy your money a bit more, and there's somebody hungry will come 
and then you lose that, you lose, and then it, 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 the onus will not, not be on you to find the motivation to get to come back and do it. After I just feel, you know what, I'm done. Let, let me go and enjoy my life. So yes, a time will come. But right now, as long as the Gypsy King wants to be a great champion, it's almost impossible. But you know, like 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 I said, depreciation in code thirteen. Mm. When you have money and you can't spend the way you want, ah, you get as you that I, is. <laughs> I know. Look I know how it so, is. Yes. That's how Yemi feels. He has money. He doesn't know how to spend it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's round. Come, but mm. How soon? That's the question. Okay. Let's round this up, Yemi. Um, by focusing on Joshua and um, Yusik, we we know there's going to be a second fight. And um, like we're saying about AJ, sorry, Tyson Fury, AJ has a problem oh, yeah. with usage. Except he changes something drastically. He's not going to win that second fight. So, um, what are you seeing there? And like you said, well, they have to face <laughs> Feast of Fury after that one. What are you seeing there in that rematch? A lot of people have asked for AJ to fire entire backroom staff or mm. entire ringside staff. I, I think that's be probably a bit knee jerk. Uh, but they need to prepare for this fight. Completely differently. Mm. Um, no room for complacency because this is probably yeah, his, he's back in the in training camp already. He has to he has mm. to get to work because he's like Tuneko called who's in the boogeyman. Yeah. He's fighting a strange boxer. And you know how it is when people don't understand what it's like moving up a weight class. Somebody mm. gave me I tried to explain somebody that was supposed to give me an example of his organization in UFC. Yeah. Moving to lightweight and losing to uh, what's this guy? It's a completely different. And then there's a history of cruiserweights who moved up, who, uh, and there Holyfield, uh, David Hay, who moved up and even our Champions. own Bashali. Yes, it's 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 not it's not easy because they've already mastered that um, that division. Beating everybody they could beat, they came to everywhere. a lot of people didn't know who shit until he fought AJ. Yeah. The Fogazi had actually beaten a few heavyweights yeah. before that time. So, Edge has to do something completely okay. different. Final question here, buddy. Efea Jagba, what does he have to do to get to the next level? Efea Jagba needs to get to work. Efea Jagba needs to get to work. And like, um, uh, like, like you know, some people to now, uh, there's some people saying Edge should sack his backroom staff. If those of us who are watching from the outside, if you could see how dangerous Usik, Usik, Usik was and is to to um uh, to to Eji, unless they admit him that there's nothing they can do about it, they should have prepared him for what all of us were seeing, and I think that's what Ifia Jagba and his people they, they, they need to do. They need to learn a lesson from all the sluggers, all the punchers that are, that, that that have gone before them. Unless of course they know something, don't know that. Look, this man, there's nothing you can teach him again. Just be hoping. That he gets a lucky point, unless that is what they are telling us. But if I if I if I need to watch, look at the likes of um uh, of um of uh of of the Gypsy King, and and know that look the, the fact that I'm big doesn't mean I can't move. But then yeah. again, like Emi said earlier, it's all in the basics. It's in the foundation. Mm. If you don't teach it from the start, that is why across all sports in in in, in another place apart from Africa where we land on the street. And the mentality is to win at all costs and win uh, 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 the quickest way possible. They don't talk about winning until you have mastered some things. They say, look, it's not winning. Just learn these basic, basic, basics because that's what will carry you all through your life. Yeah. Someone told the story of how, um, how uh, he, 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 he went to watch uh, Kobe Bryant train three at 3 a.m. in the morning. And it was in the basic, basic drills. I was saying, I was hoping I was going to do something. And the, and the guy said, no. Everything is in the basics. Once you can do the basics, the other big ones will come. Mm. And so the basics is what we are lacking. We talked about guidance earlier for our youth across all sports. Uh, and it's, it, it, is, it, is the basic, it is catching them young and letting them understand the basics. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what they build on. And that is Ifiyajagba's problem. All right. So Ifiyajagba should not be a wilder. He should attempt to be a fury. Yeah. That's in boxing development. And more ring craft, more rings having it, more movement, more suppleness, if I can say that. All right. 
And let's move on. We talked about AJ Pora uh, probably having to sack his backroom staff. The word sack has been going on in Nigerians' uh, football circles for a long time. A group of people, I think it's divided down the middle. There's some people that feel until you sack the coach of the Super Eagles, going to draw Nigeria, will not get anywhere. Some people feel he's still building. Uh, it's a process to success. And um, let's give him more time. But recently, the Super Eagles uh, suffered a shock loss a few days ago to Central African Republic last week's Thursday. They redeemed themselves and the return match in uh, Yaoundé on Sunday. They won that game 2-0. They're still topping the table now. So they walk up qualifying group. But um, the Sierra loss is just symptomatic of what some of us have been saying for some time. But let's put it on record. Central African Republic has a history of giant killing. And I'll let you into, like, in 2010, um, they defeated, uh, they defeated Algeria 2-0 in an Afghan qualifier. Mm, that was a huge shock. In 2020, and in 2012, when Bradley was a coach of the Pharaohs of Egypt, they defeated Egypt 3-2 in an Afghan qualifier in Cairo, ending Egypt's 38 game on beating streak at home, stretching back to f- 47 years. And then it was called the biggest upset in the history of AFCON qualifiers. You can call the win in Lagos the biggest upset in the history of African World Cup qualifiers. qualifiers because Nigeria also had not lost at home in 40, 40 years. Buddy and I were in the stadium <laughs> that day. You know, that's that's the Rangers on those on those Eagles. No, uh, yes, yes. The, the, that was a uh, Nigeria-Algeria 2-0. We lost to Algeria. And then they eventually went to the 82 World Cup. This was in 81 October thereabouts, I think. So, that's been said. But, you hear me? The signs, as I'm sitting down with you, I'm still very worried about the Super Eagles uh, qualifying, even if we get through this stage. And this is my worry. We're very predictable. I said this after the World Cup in 2018. I said it on a TV show. Still the same. They're getting a draw. It's too fixated. And the Nigerian team is too predictable. I feel part of the problem we have now is that some of those players are not being made to fight, quote-unquote, for their places. They know they will get invited. They know nine times out of time they will get to play. And I think you need to freshen things up. You need to keep players on their toes. I don't know. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but what are your thoughts on this? You're not asking for too much. Um, After the 2018 World Cup in Russia, trust the same we have this vision. We had that division at the same time. Once we have thought felt that, look, this guy can't take us anywhere. Uh, it's better we get rid of him. I was of the opinion that we were building mm. when a few guys were going to retire and we're going to have a few young boys who are going to step into those shoes. And those those guys were the likes of Osime, uh, Chukweze, Imobi. Yeah. And now, this is uh, three years after that time that these guys have stepped onto the scene, we should be seeing some semblance of progress. progress. Mm. But the fact is, I can't see the progress. Some say, yeah, you know, you can't make a knee-jerk reaction. If you bring a new guy, you're going to start afresh. Yes, I agree with that. But I don't think that the manager can be in charge of a team for five years and we can't see the template. Now, you're talking about the fact that some players are... In fact, as we're here, I'm sure we can write out the 30, potential 30-man invitation. Invited players. More often than... And I am sure... of the starting level. And you can pick eight of the starting level. Mm, it is that, that bad. But a country like ours should be less predictable. Even in terms of formation, tactics... One of the things why I gave him a second chance after the 2018 was because in the first game we went with a back four. Mm. By the time we got to the second game against Iceland and the game we lost against Iceland, we switched to a back three. Mm. And we seemed to be better in those two I games. I played a back three against Seattle on Sunday. You see? Mm. So what happened to that adjustment that you can make per opponent, mm. per match? Secondly, how much of an opportunity have you given to the other guys? We complain about 
inviting 23 foreign-based players. And in that tournament, only 15 will get yeah. to play anyway. Maximum 15 will get to play anyway. And then you blame the loss in Lagos to the absence of Iwobi and Indidi. But you've had opportunities in friendly matches to try and the other guys. You still don't try them. But you don't try them. How do you know how well you will cope without these guys if in friendly games you can't keep, you know you can't cap them properly? Yeah, but let me stop you there, uh, buddy. Simple question: You look at the Super Eagles right now. What do you see? I see them going nowhere. <laughs> let me make a point about. And that is that, that point about about um, about the and, and you also the point about about the being predictable. This one is why we will not win the nations cup under Genotua. Now, the last time Nigeria won the nations cup, look at the eclectic group of players that Keshi took to that tournament, <laughs> and look at the way he used all of them. Mm. That was a coach who was thinking. That was a coach. Who had a game, a game, a, a different game plan for every game? Mm. Let the Willers keep talking about how lucky Keshi was. <laughs> they agree he was lucky, but you've got to admit that for every game and that nation's come. If you if you if you didn't if you don't understand what I'm saying, go back and watch those, those games again. Especially the Cote d'Ivoire game, yeah, stopping and changing exactly. And so you cannot win by nine by just trotting out the same number of players, hoping to to, to look. It is a lazy way of working. When you just pick people and just throw them on the pitch, hoping for a miracle, you cannot call Genotro a new coach again. It's been how, how long? Five, four, five years, and we are still, we are still talking about it. You can't be building for five years, and I think this conversation has been going on, going on for a while. Too long. About that, I said, look, with all due respect to Genotro, I don't. I, I think he has done the best that he could for Nigerian football. Yes, he has brought some new players on board, but the purpose of bringing new players on board is to find a system that feeds them out to feed them accordingly. But maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's the fault of the NFF NF, NF, uh, 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 hierarchy that we keep looking for players as if they are, they are, they are, they can see the team. And then we find the players and we are seeing the same set of players that have been using for years. And so the, the, the challenge for me is that I'm looking at, at, at this my group and I'm seeing a team that is in continuous transition. They don't seem to be going anywhere, and that is the challenge. Somebody said they are in transient transition. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, okay. Um, even if we're to go in a different direction, let's even assume we're to go in a different direction. What direction should that be? Because you see, my problem is always. The process of choosing, honestly, I don't know how Ghana was no choosing. There's no process. There's no process. I don't know the process of which. There's no process. There's no process of choosing what you say. There's no process for this one. You know, so the concern for some people, let me play the devil's advocate here, is that, okay, if you say Ghana should go at this stage, in the middle of the World Cup qualifiers, which direction do you go? And what's the guarantee that it won't be another quote unquote poor choice of coach? You know, we don't have standards. Uh, we've, we've spoken about Pitcher Mizumani on this podcast several yeah. times. Mm. When each, when Ali wanted him, they went for the guy they wanted to get. They headhunted. They didn't have to do any submit application. That all that nonsense that they do. That's what's true. I can't trust this NFF to make a proper choice. Why? So does it mean we're stuck with draw? We're probably stuck with him mm. because look, you're, you're dealing with people who are comfortable to hold somebody for eight months. How and do you call him comfortable to accept to, to that? Accept that? Mm. How do you call him to action? How do you question him? When you're owing him and his back will start. How can you owe the goalkeeper for that 22 months? And he's comfortable to be there as goalkeeper and he's not talking. That is really old. So I don't trust this NFF under Amajupini to make the right choices. They're not even, they're not capable to make those choices. So we are probably stuck with this guy till after the AFCON. And good by the time the AFCON comes along, we'll work up with the we'll almost over. Yeah. Because you have the, if we get to the final round, 
which mm-hmm. is, should be March or thereabouts. Yeah. Because World Cup is in November 2022. And the final round is in March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't trust this set of NFF to be able to take that boat. They don't... Just watching some of the videos of that they put out of Amadjipi just tells you mm. where the thinking is. It's I, only I when... I wonder why those videos need to be put out. They will come up because the man likes to be heard. some things that are better said behind closed doors. <laughs> you say it and you move on. The, the man, man why put out those likes videos? to be heard. He likes to be... Seen. In, yeah, likes to be seen. He likes to be in the news. So, you ask yourself, really, maybe we... This result, last Thursday, has been long coming. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think I said this somewhere last week that the last time we absolutely dominated and devastated the team was Cameroon at Uyo en route to the 2018 uh, World Cup. Mm. 4-1. 4-1 yeah. That's the last time the last time we played any team dominated and totally took them out. Since then, it's been a uh, <laughs> Long ball and inshallah. But it, um, of course, I hope and pray I'm wrong because Super Eagles not going to the World Cup has massive implications oh, yes, on our own business. So I hope I'm wrong. I have this fear in me that qualifying from this group stage shouldn't be a, we have turned it into a problem <laughs> because Cape Verde is on seven points now. We're on nine. We play Liberia away next. Cape Verde at home. To Central African Republic. Central African are not pushovers, by the way. The two games they played against Nigeria showed that even the one that we won, they had moments in the game where they really troubled Nigeria. So, but let's, if Cape Verde were to win that game, bottom line, we need to beat Cape Verde at home to mm-hmm. be sure of this thing. Yeah. Let's even assume that we get through this stage. My fear, my worry is the final. That's always been my position from day one, even before the loss to CAR. In the final stage where it is home and away straight knockout to pick the five teams. God forbid we drop out of Africa's top five ranking by the time the draws are made because that means that we will not be seeded and we can get the likes of <laughs> Egypt, Algeria, or Senegal. But if we are lucky we are still in that top five, we may get Benin Republic who are doing well, may get Mali, and there's no guarantee that we'll even beat those ones. So that my fear has been, buddy, that when you keep doing things, you keep papering over cracks, you keep managing situations, the chicken at some point will come home to roost and I hope it's not going to happen during this 2022 World Cup qualifiers. The fact is that we've missed back-to-back World Cups in the past, haven't we? And so... No, we missed only one. It, 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 it can happen. Okay, the, the, 2006. The, 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 the World Cup to Oh, okay. Yeah, but you know, the 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 part of the of the case is that that possibility will always be there. Mm. First off, don't let make, don't let us make the mistake that other people make and assume that you are going to win this group. No, and that's why I just I just, I just put the doubts there. There's no guarantee. Uh, there's no guarantee we're going to win the group. There, there, there's no guarantee there. Before we talk about the those those uh, final group of games, which is a straight leg knockout. Let's navigate this one first. Because, look, everything, like I said about the, about the uh, Anthony Joshua corner, when we had that segment, everything that you and I have seen about these Eagles, other coaches are looking at it and thinking, maybe they say we can beat these Eagles. The truth of the case is that when the Eagles want to play well, when all the, all the, when, 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 when all their clocks are ticking, they are well nigh impossible to beat at home because things seem to just work for them. Mm-hmm. However, like we have seen against Central African Republic, like we saw against uh, Sierra when we played the top four draw uh, in, uh, um, uh, in, in Nigeria, there are days when they are just not interested or things just don't fall for them. And we are hoping that they won't get one of those days when they go to the or when they play the rest of the uh, the games in the groups and, and they get the first top of the group. Because it can, it can still happen, yeah. and the fact that it's, it's now it's, it's happening with more uh, with, with more consistency and closer to each other. Because before it used to take a long while, like like you noted, Davis had not lost at home in forty years until this one. The same way, I don't think any team had come back from uh, uh, the the, the came back against against Zimbabwe. Now they are saying it's just like this happened 
too close to each other. And the Eagles are always one bad game away from 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 from, from, from being humiliated. Now, we start to be alone. We have seen Central African Republic. And you're thinking, we can bread the best because I didn't have a plate of bread. I remember how difficult it, it was. And so, the coaches that know their business will be looking at the Eagles and thinking, well, maybe we should not be. We saw what, we saw what, what happened to the Falcons. Yeah. And so, this sense of, hey, we are Nigeria. We should, you know, we should not tell people, anybody, they should be afraid of us. I think that time is slowly passing before our eyes. Reality.com. <laughs> and the sooner the players and the coaching and, and the coaching staff and the backroom staff and then everyone, and, and the sooner they see the better for everybody. Because there's no guarantee they as sad as, 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 uh, as, um, as sad as that sounds. There is no guarantee. Absolutely mm. not. You know, after the World Cup, you mentioned something, Amy, and of course, when Igalo retired, when uh, Victor Moses left and all of that. And then, for I think, was it Brazil? We played a few friendly matches. And it looked like Ganoro had changed. Yeah. He went into a 4-2-3-1. And he was becoming exciting. You had Chukwese down the left. Um, you had Osime. You had players who were flying. And then Aribo came into the team and showed a lot of great stuff. And at that point in time, it looked like, yeah, this was progress. But it soon regressed. And it's this typical... Four three three, and you can almost like we say, you can almost in your sleep know that as long as certain players are in camp, camp they will play. play. And like Buddy said, other coaches are looking at that and say, "Hey, we can have a go at these Nigerians." And once that element of fear is gone, you have a problem. So let's round this up. What do you see as the nation's goal, which you have already qualified for? What do you see the remaining of these World Cup qualifiers? I'm worried. That will probably will make the World Cup. We'll go to the Nations Cup. We'll, we're in a decent group. I think we have Egypt, we have Sudan, and I have, I think, Guinea Bissau or mm. some, someone in our group. So we should be able to navigate that one. It's a 24 team, team mm. Nations mm. Cup. So we should be able to come out of that group. So that shouldn't be a problem. But my worry is this World Cup qualifier. Because we don't. Let's even look at one thing. Every manager needs to be able to surprise their opponents mm. with either your tactical approach or your selection. We don't. There's no surprises. We have a Bolonacho who consistently over the last three years has been banging in goals for his club. And he doesn't get to play. And he doesn't get to play. Are you telling me that it's not possible to play Onwachu and Osime together as a pair? It's tactical variation. There has to be we need to vary things. Very, you, 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 you play 4 2 3 1 today, 4 3 3, you play back 3, back, 3 5 2 3 4. You need to be able to it's show some level of flexibility, uh, yeah, flexibility. flexibility. And that is where I think we lack, we're lacking. And that's where I have less hope for the Super Eagles. Okay. Hopefully, the Super Eagles will somehow uh, navigate and get to Maybe we're being selfish here. And because we know that if they get to the World Cup, <laughs> it has massive implications positively for our business and vice versa if they don't get to the World Cup. But the reality is um, the chickens tend to come home to roost if you're not doing certain things right. I mean, there are so many other countries who want to go to that World Cup. And like Bode rightly mentioned, Kaverdi is there. If they win their next game, they come to Nigeria knowing that they can win and take us out. You know, so, and because CR has done it, they're going to come with a lot of confidence and um, hopefully it doesn't happen. But at some point, at some point, you're not doing the right things, uh, the cookie will crumble. Hopefully it won't be this time. <laughs> but we keep praying and hoping. And um, today we have a special guest. Uh, he's doing great things, making mighty moves on the African continent. And let me welcome Masai Ujiri to Sports 360 Podcast. Masai, good to have you join us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, you're in Nigeria for a couple of things, um, making mighty moves. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So mm-hmm. tell us about this giant of Africa, the vision, uh, what it's all about. Uh, so why Nigeria, um, this time around with our uh, court build uh, mission, we... Um, uh, we came up with this big idea that we want to build a hundred courts um, all over Africa. And um, it came to me from 
um, just our thoughts during COVID and okay. we were not uh, able to travel and come mm. around and do our basketball camps. Okay. But still doing our basketball camps all over the continent. Uh, but during this year, we saw that the funding was not, uh, was not being used. Um, mm. And we wanted to put to use um, the funding in some kind in of other way. areas. Yes. Mm. And in other areas. And so contacted a couple of our builders, Weber, we all know, I have Josephat on the east of, east of Africa. I asked them what they could do during COVID and they told me they could use the year period to, to build courts. And we decided to come and um, uh, start this project. Uh, we made a commitment to build four courts in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, and here we are uh, okay. opening them. Now, the four courts, and tell us specifically where, where the four courts are. Um, how, how do they serve the immediate communities? Yeah, so um, we decided to choose um, two schools, and we wanted to do it in two um, uh, uh, grammar schools where, one, um, we felt there were good educational programs, two, um, they were um, uh, sort of not privileged areas, uh, and three, maybe a little bit of basketball, uh, tradition. So, mm. um, we chose, uh, Ijesha Tado, uh, okay. grammar school, Ilipeju mm. grammar school. And the other two, and uh, the Warriors basketball court that we're all f- familiar with in Ilipeju. Mm. Mm. It's a, there's a basketball tradition there. there yes. Yeah. yeah. We open that tomorrow. We're excited about that. We wanted to go back there and really, um, make it. A, a court that's worthwhile. Um, okay. Yes, that's uh, uh, there's two basketball courts there. We've refurbished both of them, uh, and the last is Oworo, um, mm. and we wanted to go to that area too because quite a few basketball players have come out of there. Of there. Yes, Charles Bassi, who just got drafted by mm. um, the Seventy Sixers, uh, obviously played on that court, mm. an outdoor, incredible court. You know, like in a space in a park that's mm. I think very telling of what um, outdoor basketball you okay. know, should look like. Don't you feel that there might be people telling you, why building all the four courts in Lagos? Uh, why not other parts of the country? We're going to build in other parts of the okay. country. Yes. Right. I just we're, wanted to get that out of yes, the way. We're, okay. we're going to other parts. You know, like If we went to the other parts of the country, people would say, why didn't you start in Lagos? I understand that. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, These courts are you, to be used by the immediate community, but do you have plans the giants of Africa um, camps, when they resume, you're going to be using these facilities, yeah. uh, competitions and things like that. What's the plan? Yes, we want competitions to be organized. But to be honest, like we can't, is what we talk about, like what the problems we have in Africa, right? In mm. Nigeria, right? That's the problems we have. We can't build the courts, bring the shoes, organize the competition. Mm. Do, do it's, it's impossible to do okay. everything, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. So now I've put that. It's left to you guys to do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. It's left okay. to people on the ground to organize the competitions to okay. put there. Yeah. But we will, we will do stuff. We'll so, encourage, yeah. we'll encourage as many competitions as we can, you know, like, but uh, I found out that when you do something, when I came and I challenge and I talk and say, Oh, we need to build infrastructure. We need to build facilities. It's better. Like we all start it. It's better to start something. Yeah. yeah than put, your, put your foot where your mouth is. Like, exactly. Your, uh, yeah, exactly. So when we started the camps, more people started. We can't be the only camps, you know, like yeah. more, so more people mm, are I've doing started, camps yeah. and doing a, now with courts, hopefully more people build and we have more programs there. Okay. Put your money where your mouth is. Okay. Mm. Um, personal now, let's go personal, a little bit personal. You started basketball, you played basketball, you played for the Tigers. It, quite a number of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. When, so tell us a bit about your basketball journey. How did you get into basketball? Was always a passion. Did you, did it happen by accident? Mm-hmm. And a journey to playing for the Tigers. Oh, okay. So I wasn't very good. That's why people don't know, <laughs> don't know, don't know me. You're good enough to play for the national team. You're yeah. good enough. So, um, I started playing when I was, uh, 12 years old, 13 years old. Uh, coached by Oliver Johnson, the famous yeah, coach the OBJ. Famous yeah. Um, who has, um, coached tons and tons of players. Um, I'm happy that I had him as a mentor, as a coach, as a teacher, uh, growing up and made me fell in love with an incredible game. Mm. Just like everybody else, I followed my passion, followed the passion of playing basketball, played in junior college, played in college, um, played pro overseas, but it wasn't high level professional basketball. Mm. I played mm. in Belgium. I played in second division in Germany. 
um, traveled all around like a journeyman almost, you know, like looking for uh, when, when you are the one that is always calling your agent in September asking him, where am I <laughs> what's going? going what's going on? You know, like, you know, like you're not very good. Then. <laughs> yeah. So, mm. but in, in that short period, you know, I was lucky to, um, uh, to have a stint with the Nigerian national team. Yeah, and tell that, us about that. How yes, long was that? For? Uh, it was for a couple of years. And in 97, I played for Nigeria in the African championships where, and we got silver. We really should have won the gold. Mm. Uh, everybody calls that team, I think, one of the best teams, you know, like oh, that yeah. has been assembled. But I was just happy to be part of it. Of I didn't, team, yeah. yes, I didn't play much. It was Tunjia Ojobi, yeah, uh, Mohamed Tunjia, Acha, yeah. you know, um, uh, the late Aloma Pita, the late Pita, uh, um, uh, Roland was, Swade. Was Digi, yeah, no, no, okay. De, but Deji Jayola just passed, you yes, know, like, know, yes, an mm, incredible, incredible, incredible player in his time, you know, but Solomon Aila was the captain of that team. Yeah, yeah like great players, you know, yeah, which I have been glad to be associated with. All right, let's go to Toronto Raptors now. Mm-hmm. Uh, NBA champions in 2019. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Uh, incredible experience. I always tell people how hard it is to win an NBA championship. It's very, it's such a difficult task and uh, to put um, for everybody to come together, players, coaches, the organization and everything to really like match up, you know, where um, mm. it lined up for us. It aligned really well. Um, the momentum was right. And then you need some luck. Yeah, mm. we, we got some luck along the way. Yeah. Yes. And we signed a great, we've traded for a great player with uh, Kawhi Leonard and here we were, you know, like on this world stage playing for a championship. I remember you brought the Larry, Larry O'Brien trophy to Africa. Yes. To home. Yes. And I saw a video where you presented that trophy to your parents. Yes. And that was a very emotional moment. What yes. did that mean to you? It meant the whole world. Uh, these guys um, have brought me up the right way. Mm. They've, uh, the value of life that they teach you. Yeah. yeah, you know how we we Africans parents, I it's, it's a different animal here. It <laughs> yeah. is, yeah, it is. I I had the parents at one point that they they used to say to me, "Is this basketball going to feed you? Is this basketball <laughs> going to feed you?" You know, only, but, oh, if hmm? only they knew. If, if only if they, only knew, they how knew how many people it feeds. But <laughs> yeah. no, but it's 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 an unbelievable thing. I think um, that um, they encouraged me in just. Um, an incredible way, but mm. taught me the values of life that okay. yeah lead you to here. All right, um, Toronto Raptors as well. Um, how does it feel that somebody who was a product of Jan of Africa, Precious Ichoa, mm. is now a member of your team? It, it's it's it, you never know that it's going to go full circle. <laughs> yeah, it you never think that it will um it will happen that way. But um, here is a kid that sat down on those courts, just like the kids we saw, so we've seen in the last couple of days, sitting yeah. down there like a, um, and dreaming. Mm. And, and here he is. Um, the other day he came to my house and he said to me, do you know when I was coming to the camp and when I was supposed to come to the camp, mm. you know, um, I, I was trying to convince my mom, you know, like to come and, uh, she didn't want me to come to the camp and I had to tell her, you know, and you, oh, the, these things happen for a reason, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it has to align for you. Mm, Here mm. is the guy playing like in an NBA team. Mm. I mean, he scored 17 points for us last night, you know, yeah. like in a preseason game, game, you know, yeah. like, yeah, so, but, um, you never, you never know where this game takes you. We mm. have the talent on the continent mm. and there are so many stories now, obviously with Charles, with, mm. um, Precious. They're all great stories for Giants of Africa. Fantastic. Um, Precious leads us to the Tigers and the Tigers. Yes. Um, the last, let's say, 10 years, five years, Nigerian basketball internationally has grown in leaps and bounds. Yes. Um, how can we make that impact be felt locally? Yeah, we, to me, we have to, co- we have to create like a league mm-hmm. and, um, and make sure like the league in Nigeria is solid. We have to, I think, create more youth competition. Uh, so that more youth can play. And um, we don't have those as much anymore. Mm, anymore we, yeah. Yes. Uh, before we had so many, uh, Vita Mold, uh, Nestle Milo, mm, mm, the festivals, mm, every, yeah. there was so many competitions to play, you know, like I had to 
Um, I had to tell my parents to when they say pick one, you know, like you have to pick so the which one, which one we can't go, we can't, to. We can't go to, and the other one you have to go to school, you know, like and it was it, now there's we we lack those, you know, like in that caliber, mm. and we need to we need to bring that back. We need a league back. The MBBF, whoever that is responsible for this, we have to put our best foot forward because football and basketball. I really don't think in the next 50 years, we are going to have a problem with finding international players to come back and play for, Nigeria. Play for Nigeria. Yes. Okay. Well, oh, it's actually going to be a problem to select these players. Mm. It's going to be a big problem. We, we In football, you can have five Nigerian national teams from yeah. foreign players. Mm. It's same mm. getting there with basketball too. There are so many. But what are we doing at home? Yeah. Yes. I think that's, that's, that's yeah, that's critical. That's critical. It's critical. And okay, what's your vision for Nigerian basketball in the next 10 years? Well, I hope this infrastructure build can, you know, catch fire mm. and, and more people um, can um, really get into this. And I think it's going to um, even grow more youth, grow more players, grow more talent, and that we continue to, uh, to build as much. My goal is for us to have at least a couple arenas yeah, mm-hmm. in this con- country, like, yes. That can host international yes, events. Yes, that can host international events. We have to. Everybody keeps telling me, why haven't you brought the Raptors here? Why haven't you brought mm-hmm. the NBA here? Yeah. But I always ask, where are we going to play? play yeah. yeah, Exactly where are we going to play? In that national stadium? <laughs> no. That place is an eyesore. I'm saying mm-hmm. it on your show. I say yeah. it everywhere. I'm telling everybody. We need to say create. Say it as it is, man. Yes, we mm-hmm. need to create it. We need to create that place to be something. We have all the resources. We have that land. It's in a landmark place on, I say it all the time. Yeah. yeah where I don't know like wh- how, where we need to go and scream that mm. that place really needs to be redone. Mm. Okay. Uh, before I le- let you go, because I know you have a very, very busy schedule. Um, on a personal note again, mm-hmm. do you think we have enough talents, not only in Africa, not only in Nigeria, I mean in Africa, to probably find the the next Steph Curry, the next LeBron James. Is that a possibility or is that a dream for you? Uh, it's it, it's not, <clears throat> to me, it's not even a dream. Mm. Yeah, it's right there. Okay. Yeah, I know when I saw that court today, when I saw that court yesterday and I see all these players uh, playing there, already you can feel the energy. Mm. Yeah, because mm. the pray- players that were created from before they did not even have as many. If I could think about when we have a hundred courts in Lagos. Yeah. What's going to come out of that yeah. players? Mm. Yeah. Basketball talent, you know, mm. like, and, um, physically we're the most gifted in the world. Yeah, yeah. We are the most gifted players in the world where we have the most gifted athletes in the world, whether you're talking tennis, basketball, whether you're talking football, I think we've discovered it in football, right? Mm, yeah. Mm. When I remember growing up, there was one player that uh, would invite uh, to come and play. I remember somewhere Oparaji when no, he came yeah. to play here. Yeah. I remember when it was only Stephen Keshi that would be invited, mm. you know, like From to come board, and join yeah. the national team. Now you cannot even... It, 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 <laughs> yeah, the numbers it, are endless. Yeah, it's, it's endless. The numbers I mean, are endless. And now, before it was the Black Stars, it was Green Eagles, mm. uh, it was the Cameroon. Nobody could beat them. Now, if you mess around, Togo beat you. Uh, they, they, Central Africa Central Republic Africa, beat us Africa, exactly, recently. Yeah, you know, so like, yeah, everybody is aware. Of your game. Yeah, everybody is exposed now. Who the, did you idolize in basketball growing up? Who was the uh, player that you idolized? Uh, for me, you know, Akim Olajuwon, like, it was... Mm. The, the Quite an inspiration? Yes, it was. He, he was, like, he was so graceful, you know, like, the way he carried himself. Yeah. Yes. I'm a Jordan guy, you know, like, I'm a, yeah, <laughs> I watched Come Fly With Me, watched all those yeah, yeah um, videos. And in, our, in at that time, Jordan was the biggest thing uh, in the world. Mm. And now, you know, like, to know him, and to be around him and to be a fellow president <laughs> yes, with him yes. you know and actually to be a friend yeah yeah that was top, it's, top of dreams yeah it's it's beyond you mm. know like is it's just beyond anything i go to meetings and he comes and he will rub my head <laughs> when he walks into the meeting yeah. and i'm thinking this hand that is rubbing my head like this 
yeah. is the same hand that we used to watch, the giant mm-hmm. hand that used to like grab you know? the ball. And it's incredible, mm-hmm. you know, like, but just seeing them, you know, like I'm really thankful, like for, for that, the, uh, mm-hmm. that the NBA has given me this opportunity. Very proud of what you've achieved, Masai. Very mm-hmm. proud of how you've put Nigeria on the map internationally. Final question to you. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the little boy, the little girl who has hopes and dreams of making it to the top of this game? What do you say to them? It's okay to dream and it's okay to dream big, you know, like, and follow it, follow it the best possible way, you know, like that you can. Yeah. It, we, we, we can start from anywhere. We can mm. all grow up in any parts of the world. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't have to be the end, right? Yeah. We can get to anywhere we want to. I'm like the biggest testament of that Zaria mm. to mm. where we are today, yeah. you know, like, um, for me, and these kids are smarter, they are more talented, they are better, they are more exposed, you know, like they are more aware. I, I feel, you know, like dream big and go mm-hmm. get it. That's what I'll say to them. Masai, thank you very much for spending time with us on Sports 360 Podcast. Thank you for what you're doing, the inspiration you are. I will pray more success for you mm-hmm. and more success for the Raptors over the years. You know, a lot of Nigerians are now to to Raptors fans. Yes. I have a nephew that lives in Canada. He's crazy about the Raptors. That's awesome. So, uh, up the north. Is it what there's yes, what you call we, it? We the north. We the north. Yes. We the north. So yes. we wish you all the best as you rebuild and hopefully you'll win that second title. Amen. Thank you for having me on the show and keep doing the great things. Keep telling the stories. All right. That's it on Sports 360 Podcast. It's been a fantastic one this week. We had Masai Ujiri graceful enough to make time out of his very busy schedule in Nigeria to give us time to speak on the show. My co-host, Buddy Ogutui and Yemi Adisaya. Oh, there in the corner. Thanks for your time. Join us again Thursday next week. Bye-bye.